Before we get to this week's episode of Business Over a Brew, let me tell you about my friends at Roberts Motors. You know, one of our favorite episodes here on the show was when we had a chance to sit down with Sam and John Roberts. If you haven't had a chance to watch that episode, go back and take a look at it. It's great to see uh, the interaction between not only two business partners, but of course, father and son as well. They really epitomize what a local business is all about. Number one, doing business the right way giving back to the community. If you have a chance, you may not buy a car from there, but at least give them the opportunity. Shop robertsmotors.com. You get more at Roberts Motors Ford. More selection, more value. Each vehicle they sell comes with the Roberts Rewards Value Package, which includes oil changes for two years, loaner cars, car washes, and much more. Get more at Roberts Motors Ford. Check them out at robertsmotors.com. Now enjoy this week's episode of Business Over a Brew. Welcome to Business Over a Brew, the show where we talk business with some of the Riverbend's most interesting and influential business people, all while enjoying a nice brew at the Great Rivers Tap and Grill inside the Best Western Premier Hotel in Alton. In this episode, we visit with Eddie Horton with Horton's Auto Repair and Outdoor and Dove Technologies. He'll tell us how being in the military and working in the family business prepared him for over a decade of running his own business and about the development of a new brake pad technology that he recently completed. It's the Business Over a Brew podcast from the Great Rivers Tap and Grill in Alton. Brought to you by Roberts Motors, the value store since 1949. Welcome to Business Over a Brew. I'm your host, Nick Dar. Pleased to be joined in this episode by Eddie Horton, Horton's Auto Repair and Outdoor. Eddie, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you coming. Hey, on. no problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, let's start here. Just tell us a little bit about your background. Where'd you grow up? And how? Uh, the, tell us about the meandering path to owning an auto repair shop. Well, you know, <laughs> it's funny. When I was, you know, I grew up in Edwardsville. Uh, I was there 40 years. Um, and uh, when I was younger... It was kind of comical. They told my mother that uh, I was mentally retarded and I could never function outside of anything by myself. I'd have to have people help write really? my checks, you know, do all this stuff for me, manage my money and all this. And I thought, wow, these people really think I'm an idiot. Well, the truth be told, I was bored out of my mind. And, you know, little Iowa basic skills tests. I, I remember that. Yeah, yes. those, those were terrible. <laughs> yeah. So I, there was, they just killed me. So I would take this test and I'd make smiley faces with the dots. I mean, it's blatantly obvious. I wasn't reading the little booklet. You know, it's not like I tried to answer these. So somebody out there was actually dumber than me because they thought that was real. So, you know, later on, I, I just I didn't try real hard when I was in high school because I just thought, well, I've been labeled an idiot. You know, I'll just do anything. And mm -hmm. um, I had one teacher took me aside and said, hey, you know what? Give me three good hours of studying tonight and come in tomorrow. Well, I go home. I don't know how to study. I don't even know what this guy's talking about. So I'm like, how do you study? <laughs> so I called some friends. I go, hey, man, how do you, how do you study? What's the, what's the concept here? He's like, well, you just read it. I'm like, okay. So I read it, and I kind of wrote it down. I was just reading it. And I did this like three times, and then I was just beat. So I went to bed, and the next day I go in, and he gives me the test, and I start to read the first question, you know? And I'm like, whoa. Before I got to the end of the question, I knew the answer. I'm like, whoa. Put it down, you know. And uh, I give it back to him. He says, oh, you missed one. I said, no, I didn't. I, said, I knew every one of those. I stayed up last night and I studied like you told me. I said, you know, what are you talking about? And he's like, you didn't put your name on it. I was like, oh, <laughs> I was a little excited about that. But, you know, I, I, I struggled all through school. Um, and then uh, when I got to college, um, 
it was a college, you know, slash trade school. And, and I went in there. Uh, I did real well. You know, I, I excelled at everything I did. Um, I learned real quick that I was, wasn't nothing wrong with me. You know, it was, uh, it was, it was the system, you know, like a lot of people, it, it fails them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I got out, um, all my friends went in the military. Uh, I went to school. I got out of school, worked for my parents. They had an automotive repair business. Okay. It was Illinois radiator. I worked for them for a long time. Um, after going in the military, I got out, worked at a couple different places, trying to find where I actually fit in because transitioning from the military to civilian life is extremely hard for me. Um, and, uh, I struggled with a lot of it. And finally, uh, Got married and had kids and thought, you know what? It's time to get a big boy job. You know, these little jobs I've been doing, they've been great, you know, and, and they paid okay. I just, I didn't care for, you know, it just wasn't enough money and it was nowhere, it was going nowhere. Right. They were nowhere jobs, you know what I mean? They were okay jobs. I made okay money, but there was no room for advancement or anything. Um, I got to talking to my wife. I said, you know, my dad's not going to retire. He's just not going to. So we, we're waiting for him to retire to open the business our own part of the business. So we opened up our family part of the business about 12 years ago. And, uh, you know, we worked out of our garage for a while, um, about three or four years. And finally it outgrew the garage. We got a building and we started working. Well, we was in Cottage Hills for a year. And then the lady that we was leasing from, she didn't want to renew the lease. She wanted to sell the building. And it was too much for us. Uh, I couldn't afford it at the time. I said, well, we'll just have to leave. So we left um, the building we're in now on Prairie Street in Bethalto. Uh, we bought that, you know, and it, that's no leasing. You know, it's awesome. I just do what I want to do. I don't right. have to ask permission. And if something breaks, a heater or something, I don't got to call somebody say, who's going to fix it? You know, we mm-hmm. just fix it. Right. So um, that's actually been really good. But we've been there now for... Gosh, about eleven years, a little over eleven years now. We've been there on Prairie Street. Well, I, obviously, we're going to delve into your to your business. What was so difficult about the transition from military to civilian life for you? Well, I was uh, I was an eighteen Delta. I was a special forces medic. Um, you know, there's a there's a lot of things you see uh, in the military that you don't want anybody else to ever see. Um, there's things you do that are not some of your proudest moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hardest thing for me was coming out when you're in the military. I mean, if somebody's an idiot, you can tell them you're an idiot, you know, and, and it, it's okay. They can't fire you. <laughs> that's the that's the great thing. And uh, but when you get into the civilian arena and you got a job, if, if your boss is a moron, you can't tell them that because they'll fire you. Brutal you know? honesty is not <laughs> yeah. as uh, no, accepted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and uh, you know some of the other stuff was was the lack, not respect, but the lack of discipline on most civilians. Mm. I mean, especially the younger generation, you know, I, I got out, I was, I was like 32, 33 when I got out and I would go into a restaurant and see somebody just being disrespectful in a restaurant, um, being dressed inappropriately, whether it be a girl or a, or a boy. Uh, and I really struggled with that. I was like, this is, this is unacceptable behavior. Mm. When you're on a military installation, you, the kids on our military installation, they don't do those things. You know, they might say they're going to do them, but they don't actually do them because right. their parents would kill them. Mm-hmm. You know, because you get when 
when you're in the military, if you're if your spouse screws up, if your kids are screw ups, you're held responsible. You know, the kids and the spouse are not held responsible. That falls back on you. You're supposed to be the person in charge. You're the one that's supposed to know better. You know what can and can't be done. So when I got out, you know, I still had a lot of that in me. And it was really hard to transition to, you know, um, the civilian side of it. Let's talk about what, what was it like working in your parents' shop growing up? Man, let me tell you what. I wish everybody on the planet could work with their family just once in their <laughs> life. Um, so my my dad is it's my stepdad. Um, him and my mom got married while I was in college um, a, a very long time ago. Uh, and, you know, so I, I'd go to work. And uh, when I went to work first time, my mom says, hey, listen, uh, that is your stepbrother over there. That's Joe's son. But he doesn't really... He doesn't talk a whole lot and stuff. So, you know, just kind of be easy with him. And I'm like, she's like, yeah, because you never shut up. And I'm like, oh, okay. So me and him became really great friends. You know, <laughs> we we did everything, you know, at the shop together. We worked everything. We didn't do anything afterwards. When he'd go home, he went home. And when I, I went home, but we talked about everything. And we had a lot of fun at the shop. Um, and my dad built my mother a, a small kitchenette at the shop. And she would make lunch for us, you know. And we would all, all four of us would sit down and eat. And sometimes a customer would come in that's a good customer, you know, a friend of ours or something. Mm-hmm. And and they'd have lunch with us, you know. So this was every day for years, you know. I mean, I went there in 88 and uh, it was 96 when I went in the military when I left there. And then I came back and I worked with him after I got back for years. And it was just amazing all the time. We always had a good time, you know. I mean, we had our differences and stuff like that, like families do. But, man, it was always great because, you know, my mom was there. My dad was there. My brother was there. And we just, you know, we hung out and, and we worked on cars. So many businesses, local businesses especially, are family businesses. And I think there is something to be said for yeah. a family working together for a common goal that yeah. would benefit all of you. Oh, it's just, it, you know, you can't you can't get that when everybody comes home from different jobs and schools and they come home and they have dinner. And I think that's a great thing when they do that. You know, it's, it's, it, you, you know, family dinners are, are lost. Right. Um, and at our house, we try to really do a lot of family dinners as much as we can. Um, and if we can't do family dinners, Saturdays is known as that's our big breakfast. We, we have breakfast together. So well, the kids aren't allowed to go out and spend the night somewhere on Friday night. If mm-hmm. they want to have friends, they got to come to our house and, because we're going to have that breakfast on Saturday morning. And I don't let that, I never let that get away from me. Um, but now the kids are getting older to be teenagers. Right. They're wanting to go spend nights. And so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with, man, do I still hold true to that, you know, yeah. thing or we had make to move them stay to, there. You know, we had to move ours to Sunday dinner. It's there's no really excused absences. From, right, from right. Sunday and dinner. I think you that's great that people do that because if you don't have a business where you work every day with these people, then right. you know you start losing touch with your kids, man. And next thing you know, it they're they're off in college, man, and getting married, and and you're like, man, I don't even remember when you were 16. Right, it's because you didn't see them when they were 16. You know. <laughs> Going back to the, I think there's two types of people. There's either people that hate working on cars, right, or people that love working on cars. I guess for you, was it love right away? Oh yeah, I I knew, I knew when I was, man, eight nine years old. You know, I loved working on cars. I loved cars. I mean, uh, my parents hated me because you know I would take things apart. I'm like, man, this VCR doesn't work anymore. <laughs> Got to get a screwdriver. And, and you know, and if I couldn't fix it. Then I would just put all the parts back inside 
and then put the cover back together, and that was it. I'm like, they'll never know. Didn't work anyway. Yeah. So. Plug it in, it starts smoking. Like, <laughs> they might notice that, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I was always taking stuff apart. Uh, always thinking I could make something better, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, never made it better when I was getting. You always made it worse. Well, you have, though. We'll continue all that a little bit later. But um, I always like to ask people, what – what was your your feeling the night before the day before you opened your business? How were you, you know take us back to that day? You know, it, it wasn't the night before for me. It was that the morning of. So we were in our first building, which was in Cottage Hills, um, and with an apartment above it, mm -hmm. and I couldn't afford to drive two cars back. We lived in Livingston. I couldn't afford to drive from Livingston to um, uh, Cottage Hills every day. Two cars. I'm like, this is gonna. It's going right. to eat me alive. I don't got a bunch of money. I got to really conserve it, you know. So I wake up that morning and, 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 uh, and, well, I mean, I, you know, how you wake up in the morning, you don't have a lot of clothes on. So I'm standing there in my underwear and uh, <laughs> looking in this huge mirror on the wall. And, and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I, I have no job. I, I have very little funds, you know. I'm five hundred thousand dollars in debt. You know, I mean, no customers. To, and the thing is, people don't realize how much debt they're in until they start adding up the cars and the house and, the, <laughs> right. and all this yeah. stuff and your kids and everything. I'm like, I'm half a million dollars in debt. I got no job. I have no income of any kind. My wife works for with me, so she doesn't have a job, and I have two kids and a beagle. I mean, what could go wrong <laughs> besides? You know, everything. Right. You know, I, I was scared to death. I was like, oh, my. And, I, you know, I went downstairs. And that's another thing. When you own a business, when you go down to unlock that door, if you have a, a stick and mortar building, you know, like I do, when you go to unlock that door, when you go there in the morning, you can't make people walk through that door. Right. You know, you can't. I mean, you can do all the advertising you want to do. You can talk to your blue in the face to everybody on the planet. But that doesn't mean they're going to come through that door, you know, and I have a lot of friends that I've never worked on their cars. I don't know why, you know, maybe they've been going somewhere that their family went to mm -hmm. forever. Sure. But, you know, and that shows you, that really shows you, it's like, you, you can't make them come here, you know? Right. So do you remember your first customer? My first customer? Yeah. I, I so Did I was you get one the first day. I got one the first day. Uh, the first day we were there, um, a guy two doors down rides his broken lawnmower down and it's like a 1972 wheel horse lawnmower. It's beat to death. And I was like, how you doing today? I said, is there something we can do for you? And he's like, my lawnmower don't work. Okay. I said, yeah. I said nothing could be more vague than that. You know, um, right. What's wrong with it? It's broke. <laughs> Still extremely vague, you know, I seen you drive it up. So it, is there something going on with the deck that the blades are not coming on or something? Yep. I said, all right, well, if you want to leave it here, you know, and I, I don't even know what to say to these people. I haven't done this yet. Right. So I get out a paper, you know, I get out one of our tickets and I start filling it out, you know, and, and I ask him all these questions about, you know, when was the last time it worked? What sounds did it make? But, you know, kind of like being at the doctor's office, it's basically the same thing. You're, you're getting a sample history on this piece of equipment. <laughs> And he looks at me with the straightest face and he goes, why are you asking me so many questions? <laughs> He's like, can't you just fix it? I'm like, well, but if I don't know what's wrong and I don't know, did you hit something? You know, Because I ask a lot of questions on, on equipment and cars when we fix them. Anything, you know, the thing is nobody knows their equipment or their vehicle better than the owner. Right. 
So as much information as I can gather, it makes my job easier and it makes the diagnostic time a lot shorter. So, you know, uh, some of people, though, just they don't like answering all the questions, you know. <laughs> right. So yeah. it, it make you know, I, I he left. Um, we fixed it. You know, he came back and um, uh, drove it down the road. And the funny thing is, I could hear him going down the road. He was turning the blades on and off as he's going down the road, make sure they're working. I'm like, well, I mean, at least he checked it, you know. Right. Yeah. But he was just making sure that we did fix what we said we fixed. Sure. <laughs> so you've been at it over a decade now. Um, mm-hmm. Was there a moment where you thought, okay, we're going to make it? Yeah. Um, so I went to um, some some companies that had fleets, mm-hmm. um, and I said, you know, we could probably help you out. And and there and I said, I know you're where you're getting your work done now, and I know it's very expensive, and they're a huge place. Um, we're you know we're not that much cheaper than they are, but it's a more personalized service, and I'm going to be able to do service calls for you on your lot. Mm-hmm. And um, they had about thirty five trucks, and they were juice delivery trucks, and. Um, it was uh, Folsom Distributing. Okay, and sure. we went there, and um, I, I remember sitting there in front of him, and he's just staring at me, and I'm like scared to death. I'm thinking, oh my god, what is he going to say? You know, why is he looking at me like this? And uh, and we actually we went to church to the same church, you know, mm-hmm. so I knew him. Right. I was still nervous sitting there talking sure. to him, you know, because uh, this is a totally different arena. It's not we're not a church, you know, we're right. we're at work. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he's like, yeah, he said, let's do that. I was like. Man, I went flying back to the shop. I told him, I said, you're not going to believe this. I said, I just locked down Folsom. I said, they're going to start using us. And uh, once we started using them, it started really growing. You Mm -hmm. know, it started growing really fast. Um, You know, and then people found out that we did radiators, heater cores, gas tanks, lawnmowers, small engines, you know, the four-wheelers. That's why we named it Outdoor, you know, Auto and Outdoor. Because the outdoor part of it is, I mean, I don't care what you got. If it's if it's a piece of equipment that goes outside, we'll work on it. Mm-hmm. If you got a lawn chair that's steel and it breaks and you need it welded, bring it up. We'll weld it for you. I mean, any, anything that's outdoor. Because people always ask, what's outdoor mean? I'm like, anything. Right. You know, just covers anything. And and you really have, uh, just talking a little bit to you yesterday and before the show, mm-hmm. you've got that entrepreneurial spirit. I know also uh, owner of Dove Technologies. Talk a little bit about that company. Um, so Dove Technologies came about because we were working on minivans, brakes. Mm-hmm. And they, we had a couple customers that were going through brakes like constantly. Every year we were putting brakes back on these things. And they were under warranty, so it wasn't bad for the customer. It was just a you know inconvenience to have to come in and have it done. Right. And I kept looking at these things. And, and just one day out of the blue, I told my wife, I said, you know what? I, said, I think I can fix this problem. And, uh, and like I told you, I've, I've always thought I could make it better. You know, So I thought, right, I can fix this. So we went on, you know, it took me um, a lot of broken fingers and cuts and bruises and, you know, burns. And we finally came up with a brake pad that alleviated the problems that we were having. And uh, we we have a technology that it's a very ignored part of the brake pad. It's the backing plate. Nobody ever pays any attention to it because it's just a soft piece of metal. You know, it's mild steel. Well, we went after that mild steel, and we thought we were going to do something with it, uh, and we did. Um, it, it's it's great technology; uh, it can be applied to any brake pad on the market. Um, 
the hardest thing now is, you know, it took us four and a half years to get a patent on it, but we have a full utility patent on it. Um, and that was big for us. Uh, you know, now getting it to industry now you go out, you talk to these companies. And as I said earlier, you know, they're making $50 million selling breaks. You know, just a good number. And you come in and say, Hey, I want you to buy this technology and apply it to your brake pads. I want you to spend $10 million on campaigns and mm-hmm. making new commercials and trying to get this out there. Right. Why, I mean, if I'm making $50 million already, why do I want to mess with you? Mm-hmm. I don't need that money, you know, and I don't, I don't want to spend money on trying to promote a new product. So that's what we've been running into a lot. You know, they, they know they're better. Um, we've run into one company that knows they're better. They tested them. Um, they turned it down because, like I said, they didn't want to spend the money is what they told us. We're nervous that they're going to try to make them anyway. Mm. Uh <clears throat> Excuse me. The, but my attorney said, just let them do it. Yeah. You know, he said, we'll just clean their clock when they start making them. You know, he said, then we'll show them how serious we are. Well, it's an interesting concept. Just a couple minutes left. Uh, one kind of final question. What's what's one thing that everybody should know about your business, but they don't? Um, one thing that everybody should know about our business is that we're a Christian-based business. Everything we do. You know, I, I always feel like, you know, like God's watching me, you know, like like your dad, like like your mom. She always knows when you screw up. Sure. Yeah. It's like, man, I know he's watching. You know, I'm not. I, so we never cut corners, you know, um, and uh, and we're always extremely honest with our customers and upfront with them. We try to make sure they know everything that we know when we know it. Well, I know our friend Mike Weller, who's been a guest on the show. Well, yeah. I appreciate you wearing the AP cigar shirts. Yes, he is a very uh, good friend of mine. Yeah, uh, hopefully, Joe got a good close up of the shirt. Yeah, yeah, uh, cigar, man. That's my boy there. Right. <laughs> you know, if you're not getting your cigars, it, it, this, yeah, is, this is one of my commercial quick things. Plug for AP. Okay. Yeah, if you're not getting your cigars from Mike Weller at AP Cigar, you're getting them at the wrong place. We'll send you a bill, Mike, uh, <laughs> for that, that commercial. Eddie, thanks so much for joining Thank us. Thank you. If somebody wants to get a hold of you and needs to have some work done, how do they do that? They can get a hold of us at uh, the phone number 618-377-6900. Um, they can call anytime. We got a new phone system now, so they can it'll, it'll go right through my cell phone. So they can always leave a message, and we'll get back to them as soon as we can. Great. Well, continued success to you. Best of luck with the brake pads, and, yeah. and thanks for being on Business Over. Thank you. Much appreciate it. Thank you.